0: That we just get to enjoy your presence. and Father, we look forward to the opportunity of drawing closer to you. Of allowing you to work in our lives. We want to know you more. We want to become more like Jesus. We know that is your desire for us. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would minister to us so that you would convict us. You would challenge us. You to open our eyes and our ears to hear and see what it is you want us to hear and see, so that we can move with you. We can cooperate with your process. <clears throat> and I thank you for the grace that you make available, Father, for us to embrace your word and become doers of your word. We love you, we thank you, and we give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Psalms chapter 73, the name of this message is The Ultimate Treasure Hunt. It's not what you think. We're not going treasure hunting today, but actually God is on a treasure hunt. And so that's the ultimate treasure hunt. And we're going to find out what that treasure is today. And hopefully we'll make that treasure available to him. Alright, Psalms 73, and I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, like the way it it lays it out for this morning. How many of you guys have enjoyed and appreciate what Greg's been sharing the last couple of weeks? It's been really good. Where's Greg? Is Greg in here? Or he might be teaching, teaching the uh, crew, is he crew, crew teacher? Anyway, he's been talking about the light, been talking about the condition of our heart, the soils. Allowing the Lord, allowing the work, the word, excuse me, to rest in fertile soil so that it can have its its way, verse one, truly God is good to Israel to those whose hearts are pure, truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure, but as for me, I almost lost my footing, my feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. So this person who wrote this. He realizes the truth of God, that God is good. How many of you would agree with that? God is good, and we even say all the time, don't we? You know, God is good all the time, whether we feel like it or not, whether the circumstances dictate it or not, God is good. And this is what he was saying. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those hearts who are pure. But he said, But I almost lost my footing. I almost stumbled and fell. I was almost gone. Something caused his perspective to change. He believed in God's goodness, but something happened to cause him to waver and doubt God's goodness. And even God's justice and fairness and and righteousness even. And we're going to see what that is. Verse 3, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. His perspective changed when he began to envy the proud when he saw them prosper despite their wickedness. How many times have you seen people that you know aren't living for God, but things seem to be going good for them? They seem to be blessed materially. You know, their lives seem to be full of ease. And you look at them and you're thinking, what in the world is going on? How in the world can that be? Does he be, I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. If you have undealt with envy in your heart, it is just a matter of time before it produces some really bad stuff. You have some undealt with envy. See, why did this guy notice that the arrogant or the prideful were, were being blessed? Because he had his eye on them. Was, he was fixated on them. He was envious of them. He had envy in his heart. And so we have to be careful because if you're looking at somebody else, and you know what, it didn't even have to be a wicked person. You can be looking at somebody else and say, how come they always get the breaks? Man, they don't tithe or they don't come to church as often as I do. But Look at them. Look what's going on with them. Now, I know you've never had these thoughts, but you know somebody who has. So I'm sharing this this morning so you can encourage them. Verse 4. They seem, now he's talking about the, in, the, um, uh, the proud. Verse 4. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with Cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. Now, this guy's perspective became so distorted and messed up, it caused his heart to begin to doubt God and move away from him. His trust in God was severely, seriously waning. Now, you can obviously see that his his perspective was, was very faulty. Because he said, they don't have troubles like other people. Now, we all know that's not true. Now, these people over here, they don't have troubles like everybody else. They're not plagued with problems like everybody else. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. See, when, you're, when your eyes get on, when your heart is full of envy, and your eyes and you're, you're fixated on other people and looking at what they have and what you don't have, your vision your perspective is going to get very distorted As you can see right here his vision was very distorted And you know you've heard you've probably heard the saying um, A person's perspective is their reality Isn't that right? I mean whatever the perception of their perspective is that's the reality that's what they believe The bible says in, in proverbs it says as a man thinks so is he so how you perceive things is your reality. Your whole emotional being is going to move and react and respond in that way. And he was think, he was freaking out. How can this be? These wicked people don't have any problems. Everything goes well for them. They don't have any worries in the world. And it was all messed up. And if we're not careful, if that envy's not dealt with, that's where our hearts are going to go. We're going to move in that direction. Verse 10, and so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Looks like God's not even aware of what's going on. God doesn't care what's going on. These people are getting away with murder. And God doesn't even care. See how he's starting to doubt God's justice, God's potency. Like, God can't even do anything about this. This guy's thing is getting pretty messed up. Verse 13, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Have you ever thought, what's the point? Here I am following Jesus to the best of my ability. I'm doing what I believe is right. What the Bible teaches me is right. I'm following God. I'm loving him. I even lift my hands during worship. I sing louder than everybody else. I do all these things. Is it worth it? Because I look at this cat over here who's, who has no problems, who's living it up, has a beautiful Escalade or a Ferrari or whatever I'm desiring. And it's like, why even bother? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Is it really worth following Jesus, honoring, obeying God? And some people even say, what, is it, what has God done for me lately? You know, many of us may be in a situation right now where you've been praying and praying and praying. You've been seeking God for wisdom. You've been looking in his word, diligently searching his scriptures. And you're praying and praying and praying. You're quoting God's promises. Asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knocking it shall be open. God, you said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of you who gives generously God, you promised to supply all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ. And you're quoting all the the right words and you're saying all the right things and you don't hear anything, it seems, in response. And then you may be thinking, is it worth it? Why bother? Now I've met people... I've had friends that fell into this very thing. And it, it was so unfortunate because they did, they, their hearts were frustrated and grieved and they even turned away from God because they allowed the situation to build up in their hearts. You've done all the right things. It not seem to be getting you anything. Prayers aren't being answered. Life is difficult, but look at them. You're looking at these people who seem to be having everything okay and looking at your situation. You know, when those of you who've been here for a while here at New Covenant Fellowship, even in this last recent season, we've had some wonderful victories, had awesome, and we still do have awesome times of worship and praise in God's presence. We had a wonderful time with John Jacobs and his team come, and we saw many people give their lives to the Lord, make decisions. We had an incredible women's ministry or a women's conference lives were changed and we've had all these victories and just seeing people's lives changed and we're just buzzing with excitement it's like man god is good and you've been laying hands on the sick and seeing the sick healed you've been treasure hunting and seeing people get blasted by the wonderfulness of god and then now it's like where's god all of a sudden things seem to have changed the excitement has seemed to have gone down a few notches the prayers haven't been answered like they were before. As some of you notice, some of you older saints, those of you who've been saved for a while, when you first got saved or you know somebody who's brand new Christian, it's like every prayer they uttered, I mean, it's like before they even get out of their mouth, it's answered. You notice that? You ever notice that? It's like, man, it's like they pray, oh God, and they pray wild prayers and boom, They happen. And like, hey, dude, pray for me. And it's amazing. But then it seems the older you get in the Lord or the more mature you get or whatever, you don't, see, you don't seem to see those same results. It's like, what in the world's going on? If you find yourself in that situation, you find your heart kind of frustrated, if you're doing the right thing, giving sacrificially, financially even, but you're not seeing the results that you desired, how is your heart doing with that? How is your heart doing with that? I remember when I was asking the Lord after, uh, um, after we had that season of, that wonderful season, and we had the women's conference, and I was asking the Lord, Lord, what, what do I minister on? What do you want me to share on? And he was telling me on my way back from uh, California when I was coming back after leaving my, leaving my son, abandoning my son. And I just felt he put on my heart, was showing me that people, are, his people, and, and speaking locally here in this body, are really going through some hard times, really going through some tough times. and He wants to minister to his people. And it's interesting because after he told me that, I started seeing that. I mean, I realized, I knew what I was going through, what me and my family's going through. And then just people in fellowship were talking to us like, man. Like everybody's going through a hard time. I mean, stuff is just hitting. Bam. Some of us feel like we're getting sucker punched. Everything was going good one moment and all of a sudden the rug got pulled from under us. And then that's when he told me to share that wonderful verse. Consider it pure joy. Hallelujah! <laughs> consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. And it's not that we consider it pure joy for the trials, but consider it pure joy for the various trials knowing that. Knowing that it's the result. It's what, what we the opportunity we get when we're going through the trials. We get the opportunity to know God like we've never known Him before. And that's why we as mature Christians, those who have been around for a while, we can be more passionate, more fired up, and more excited about God, even on an emotional level, than a brand new Christian, because we have a deeper revelation and understanding of God and a a wonderful uh, experience of His reality in our lives. You know, we want the testimony, but we don't want the test. When you go through the test of hardships, When your soul is about, you're squeezing so tight, your eyes are about to pop out of your head. And you go through that situation, of course we want out. God, get me out, get me out, get me out. But when we don't get out, and he says, will you allow me to work in you and through you in this situation? And we do, we submit to that and we let him do that. We're going to be amazed at what he does. And we're going to be so excited so far because the reality, the manifest presence of God will be in our lives in a way that we've never experienced before. And we're going to be so excited. Man, God's real. That You know, when, when I shared that situation about the, the court thing and that, that ministry I was involved in and I got the uh, protective services called to me and all that kind of stuff, after the whole situation was over, all I kept saying was, man, God is real. God is real. It was like I was born again again. like, dude, you are real. And it was almost like, you know, you kind of feel kind of childish. It's like, God, you're, you're real. You know, it's like that reality hits you and you want to make him aware of it. Do you realize? But we cannot experience. And then, you know, the Bible talks about, I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It talks about, I'm going to paraphrase, when we've been comforted by the Holy Spirit who is called to be our comforter, our helper, our our stand-along, the one who comes and stands alongside of us and teaches us truth and convicts us and all that kind of stuff. You ever have one of those moments when you get sidetracked? I just had one. Anybody know where I was going with that? (laughs) Thank you very much. Woo, that was close. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about we've been comforted. Yeah, I'm sorry about the transparency. I just couldn't, I have no way out of that situation. It's like I can I get real spiritual and say, let's let's pray for a moment. (laughs) I've done that one before. God, please get me out of this one. But what I've noticed is if I don't humble myself like I need to, he didn't help me. He's like. So anyway, I just I just needed help. Thank you, sister. I appreciate that. But when we've, the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians 3 about the comfort, when we allow him to comfort us in those hard situations, then when you come to somebody who's going through a really rough situation, and you get to comfort them. And they say, but you don't know what I'm talking, you don't know what I'm going through. Say, yes, I do know what you're going through. But if we don't go through the trials, if we don't allow God to do his thing in us, then we're not going to be able to understand what they're going through. When you're going through a messed up marriage, I mean, all messed up, and you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you, and you humble yourself, repent, and allow Him to do His thing in you, and then you come across another couple that's having a hard marriage. Guess who's able to help them effectively? See, remember... We are all called into the ministry. Every single one of us. If you're born again, if if you're a Christian, you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your assignment looks different. You may be up preaching from the pulpit. You may be a missionary. You may be an at-home mom. You may be a professor at OSU, which is the best school on the planet. You may be... You may be in a different assignment, but you are called as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? And He desires, remember John chapter 15, He wants us to not just bear fruit, and not even more fruit, but much fruit. He wants us to bear much, much, much fruit. Why? He gets glorified. See, God gets glorified when His children are bear fruit because that fruitfulness displays God's goodness, God's reality. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify Him. Let your light shine before men in such a way. In such a way. And sometimes that can be out treasure hunting and witnessing and, and laying hands on the sick, seeing them healed, giving words of knowledge and seeing the miraculous power of God do its thing. And that is awesome. I'm all about that. That's one way. Another way is... Let your light shine before men in such a way. When you're going through a hard trial, when you're going through a circumstance or a situation that is eating your lunch. And you say, God, I do not understand. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. I've, I do not understand. But I still love you. Verse 15. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. You know, sometimes you you are going through a situation like this person was. Things seem to be going right for these people. They get everything. Things seem to be not going right for me. You don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. And he says, you know, if I would have Spoke this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So he didn't want to go around griping about God to God's people. He didn't want to betray God that way. But he didn't understand. He really didn't understand what was going on. Some people rant or whine anytime they get a listening ear. In other words, they let their frustration and their anger and their resentment spill over and they just want to whine and cry and moan and groan to anybody that will listen to them. That's not healthy. For some people, same heart condition, they bottle up and keep it all to themselves. Same heart condition, different response, not healthy. So, ranting, raving, whining, and crying to everybody, not good. Keeping it to yourself, not good. The person who keeps it to themselves, they look good on the outside. They're going through the motions. They have it together on the outside. On the inside, they're dying. On the inside, they're drifting away from God. But you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell. Some people keep silent. Die a slow spiritual death. Verse 17. Then I went to your sanctuary. So, backing up. This is what he saw. Remember, he said, God, you are definitely good. But almost stumbled. And then he saw the situation. People prospering who shouldn't be prospering. Things weren't going for him. He was wondering, was he wasting his time following God? Is it really worth it? He's going through all that stuff. All the frustrations. Then, my favorite part, verse 17. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God. Then I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on slippery, on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, oh God, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. When this guy went into God's presence, his perspective changed. The circumstances didn't change, but his heart and attitude did. Now I just want to... Set your heart at ease. The wicked, those who are doing evil things and seem to be prospering and being blessed and getting away with it, they're not going to get away with it. It's not going to happen. So if you're ever tempted, hmm, they seem to be getting away with it, so I think I'll go. Don't try it. Don't try it. It won't work. But those who are living wickedly, who don't know Jesus, unfortunately, their end will be destruction. Verse 21, then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Undealt with envy will turn into bitterness. This guy realized he was bitter. He was torn up inside, but he didn't realize it until. When did he realize it? When he went into God's presence, when he went into God's presence, everything changed. Although nothing changed. The circumstances didn't change, but everything changed. His perspective changed. The way he saw things changed. In other words, he began to see things from a different point of view. God's point of view. Then he realized, you know what? It's not worth living a wicked life. But then he began to realize, man, my heart was bitter. I was torn up inside. One reason why we emphasize worship and praise here at New Covenant Fellowship. Well, the reason is because it's all about him. All about his presence. Because we believe that in his presence, everything can change. Just like right here. When he went to the sanctuary of the Lord, then I understood. Your life can be all messed up. But when you come into God's presence, it can change. It can change. And that's what we're banking on. That's what we're counting on. That's why it's like, you know what? And have you, hopefully you've thought of this. Man, if I can just get so-and-so to church, just get them. Just get them there and then let God deal with them. Let God get them. And what we mean by get them? His love overwhelmed them. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. Now, there is a time of judgment. You know, and God does not slack, and God does not wink at sin. He doesn't say, oh, it's okay because I love you. And sometimes we get that idea or that impression of God because we talk about his love. And he is loving. He's all loving, but he's also all powerful, and he's all just, and he's holy, and he's righteous, and he's a consuming fire. He's no one to be trifled with. No one to be trifled with. When people think that they can enjoy God and and do the God thing and worship and all that kind of stuff and live in sin at the same time, watch out. Because he knows. You're not catching him by surprise. You're not pulling anything over him. hopefully when you come into his presence, when we come into his presence, we realize our state, our condition. We realize that it's not in line with his desire, his will. When I realize that I have bitterness, I'm envious, I'm jealous. Those are not good things. And if those things are residing in my heart, just like this guy said, I was all torn up inside. Those things will tear you up. And there are some of you here who are all torn up inside. You're just torn up. Because of the stuff that you've allowed in your heart to build, to magnify the envy, the jealousy that's turned into bitterness, the frustration at God because He's not answering your prayers anymore. You know the those of us who have had whether it's prophetic words or promises that we've been standing on for years and 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 years, and and we haven't seen them come to pass yet, and we begin to get frustrated at God, it's like, God, I thought you said. Your word says, How come this isn't happening? And that stuff is building up inside of you and it's tearing you up. It's tearing you up. And what will happen is if you allow it to continue, then you will say, no, it is not worth following him. No, it is not worth keeping myself pure anymore. I might as well go out and do what they're doing because look, they're getting away, away with it. And I've seen people do that. They get frustrated. I've heard people even say, Oh, I tried that Christianity thing. It did not work for me. Anybody ever hear that before? It didn't work for me. Oh, I didn't realize you signed up for the genie salvation. You know. But uninten- un- unfortunately and unintentionally, that's the kind of gospel message that gets preached here in the United States. Come to Jesus, you get everything you want. Coming to Jesus takes away all the pain, sorrow. He makes you happy all the time. I mean, I don't think any, well, I don't know people's hearts or motives, but a lot of times that's how the message gets portrayed. And I, I even believe out of, a, out of a kind and even a, a, a good meaning heart. Because you want people to be out of their pain. You want them to be out of their messed up situation and you know Jesus is the answer. But it's not just coming to Jesus and getting a quick fix. You know, I know Lisa can't stand this. When she hears people say, come try Jesus. It's like, if he doesn't work, try marijuana. You know, get your fix, Jesus. We're talking about an almighty creator of the universe, consuming fire, God. It's not come and try him. It's come bow your knee to the king. The salvation is, Jesus, I, yes, I give my life to you. You know, the, I've used this many, many times. We hear it a lot. You know, we hear the phrase, invite Jesus into your heart, which is okay in and of itself, but the problem with that can be that it's like you're the one in control. Little old Jesus is outside, who's lonely and cold, and he needs a warm heart to come into. And it's like, okay, Jesus, I'll invite you into my heart. You know what I mean? I mean, it can kind of give the thing where you're the one in charge. So even though you invite him into your heart, you're the one in charge. And so then you live your life and you want the Jesus in your heart to bless your life. You make your choices and your decisions and you want the Jesus in your heart to bless your decisions. You get in trouble and you want that Jesus to come out and fix your troubles. Instead of, King Jesus, I bow to you. The Bible says if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, saying it backwards, if you confess him as Lord, do you think when the Bible says that it means, just say, you don't have to really believe it or mean it, just say Lord, Lord. Okay, good. You've passed that part. You believe that God raised him from the dead? Yes, I believe that. When it saying confess him as Lord, what does that mean? Confessing him as Lord means you're saying you are my Lord. You are the boss. You're the one in control. You're the one in charge. I submit to you. And see, this is tested out in our lives when we get to situations like this, when life stinks, when you've been getting punched in the face by life circumstances and it's just relentless and it won't let up. Then we'll see, is Jesus your Lord? Or was he just a quick fix to get you through the troubles? And that's when you say, God, I don't understand. I am frustrated. I'm... David did that. King David in the Bible. I mean, He ranted, raved at God, but we saw what happened to his heart. It turned, he ended up worshiping and praising God. Verse 21, then I realized that my heart was bitter. I was all torn up inside. I was foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Verse 23, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Now, this is what I think is really cool. This guy realized that he was all messed up. He was full of bitterness. And he was feeling like a while ago that God wasn't answering his prayers or, you know, he had trouble all the time every day. It's like, God, where are you? Look at these people being blessed and everything. And even though he was going through this hard time, and then he realized, I'm full of bitterness, my heart's all messed up, but then he says, yet I still belong to you, you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Even though he was going through a difficult and crazy time, he realized that God was right there with him the entire time. God doesn't leave us or forsake us. Do you believe that? Do you feel that way all the time? No. Because this guy's an example of it. He didn't feel like God was right there with him. But when he went into God's presence, he realized, oh my. See, in God's presence, when you get in God's word, all the faulty ideas, all the lies and the deception, it gets cleared away and truth begins to reign again. Because see, our emotions and our feelings and our perspective, our perception is all lies. God, you don't care about me. God, you don't love me. I know you said that you have a purpose for me, but I ain't seeing it, so therefore I must be the only one that doesn't have a purpose. Or you don't love me. You don't care for me. You care for everybody else, but you don't care for me. See, that's all a bunch of lies. Remember, your perspective, your perception is your reality. If that's your perspective, you're going to believe that and you're going to move according to that. We can't base the reality of God on our circumstances. Because then we believe God today, doubt God tomorrow. Believe God today, God, doubt God tomorrow. Remember the children of Israel? And we look and say, how in the world could they doubt God? I mean, the whole ocean split in half. And they walk right through it on dry ground. That's amazing by itself. Dry ground. And they're freaking out and dancing and shouting and hooting and hollering and everything. And then as soon as they face a trial, you want to kill us. If he wanted to kill him, he didn't have to use thirst to kill him. But their circumstances dictated the reality of God. Their circumstances. And remember we talked about, when we were talking about the trials, the first thing that has to happen is your perspective has to change. You have to change into an eternal perspective. Eternal perspective. Because if you look at everything in the temporal, life is not fair at all. It's not. And I gave the example of thinking of someone born in America in a very affluent, very nice country for the most part. And we have things and, I mean, look look where we're at right now. I mean, most of us, when we leave here, will go home to a home. Not a bridge. But what about the people in other countries who are born in that situation? They don't have a home to go to. Or every day of their lives, they're in danger. Either because they're a Christian, a professing Christian, or because they're in a country where war is just breaking out everywhere. And they live in hunger, they live in extreme poverty, they live in extreme conditions. They're suffering. If you just look at the circumstances and say, okay, this Christian over here who's born in America in an affluent society, and this Christian over here who's born in a an impoverished nation and suffering every day, just look at that, that doesn't look fair to me. That doesn't seem just to me. But when you look at that situation from an eternal perspective, a billion years, this person loves and serves God in their situation. And they die, and they're with Jesus. This person serves God in their situation. They die, and they're with Jesus. A billion years from now, is this circumstance going to matter? It's not, is it? If this person in an impoverished country obeys God, loves him, and dies, same with this person. Let's say this person in an affluent society has the opportunities to lead and minister the gospel and lead 25 million people to the Lord. This person leads ten to the Lord. When they die and go to heaven, they're both obedient. Who gets more rewards? Neither one of them. If he's obedient, he gets rewarded. If he's obedient, he gets rewarded. If Billy Graham, when he goes and stands before the Lord, and Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom of my son. And then a guy who had a a supposedly low-level job did his best, loved Jesus, stands before the Lord, and Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Who gets more rewards? Neither one of them. They're both going to be rewarded wonderfully. That's a different perspective. If we look at the now, we're all fixated on the now, the now, the now, we're going to be messed up. We're going to be messed up. Verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Now, this is the same guy that was looking at these these cats, these fat cats over here, and saying, This isn't fair. Look at them. They have no problems, no trials, no heartaches. Everything is going good for them. Does God even notice? Does God even pay attention? Does God even care? And here at the end, he's saying, whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything. See, his perspective changed. His perspective changed. You know, one thing that Greg was talking about a week or so, I think it was last week, last couple of weeks, out of the parable of the sower, in Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, it says, and others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enters in and chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. And Greg was talking about how sometimes we can have a highway into our hearts of the world system and information just, just coming in full stream. We open it. We welcome it. And here's one problem we can have if we fall into the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. That right there, those three things are going to set you up for envy and jealousy. Because if you're craving these things, and this is what you're pursuing, and you see somebody else who's getting it, and they're not even doing the right thing, that's going to mess you up. Whom I in heaven but you, I desire you more than anything on earth. My heart may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. This guy repented and turned his heart back to God. His attitude changed. Verse 27, those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. 28, but as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. His passion for God had returned. He began to hang out in God's presence again. His desire to tell everyone about his, his desire to tell everyone about his God had returned with a passion. Remember, a while ago, he was almost on his way out the door concerning God. And right here, his heart turned back to God. I believe we're in a season as a church. We, our heart's passion, I know as the leaders, our passion is God's presence. Our passion is more of Him. We want to know Him above anything else. That's what it's all about, knowing Jesus. Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life's not going to heaven. Eternal life is a relationship with Jesus and God. Now, when we go to heaven, it's just going to continue. We desire God's presence. We want more of his presence. How many of you want more of the manifest presence of God? We want more. God wants us to want more. He wants us to have more. If God were to reveal too much, and this is my theory, if God were to reveal too much of his light to us too soon, We couldn't handle it. If you have sin and junk in your life, and you instantly get in God's presence, your body's probably going to... Instant heaven. Like, whoa, what happened? And so as we say, God, we want more of you, then what he has to do so we can come into his presence and enjoy more of his reality, his manifest presence, we have to give him more of our hearts. We have to let him deal with our heart and our issues. And see, as we mature, remember the result of of trials is so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. That's the result of going through trials his way. Become mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So if you don't go through trials his way, you're going to remain immature and incomplete, lacking in a lot of stuff. Amen? Amen. So he wants us to be mature and complete. So I believe where we are as, as a church, you know, cause if, if we were to interview every single person in here, probably the majority of us, cause I haven't talked to everybody, but the majority of us would probably share that, man, we're, it's pretty tough right now. I'm pretty, pretty rough. Some more than others. But we're going through some pretty serious stuff. And as a, as a local family, if we go through this stuff, Grabbing onto his hand, and we don't always have to have smiles and act like everything's okay. We don't have to do that. I hope we're getting to the place as a family where we can be real. That doesn't mean you have to bleed all over everybody either. But we need to find appropriate times to share our hearts. That's what I appreciate about the men's ministry that meets on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock. And the women's ministries that we have—one that meets on Sunday nights at six o'clock, one that meets on Tuesdays at ten thirty, another men's group that meets at Tuesday morning at six thirty—is it six or six thirty? Okay, good. It's not as early as I thought. Six thirty. But we have these opportunities. We have small groups and relationship opportunities for you to say, "Brother, I just need—I'm hurting. My heart is full. It's about to explode." We need to have relationships where we can bear our hearts to one another. The Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens. It tells us that. How do we do that? If my heart's heavy, I've got to have some I can come to and say, man, I'm just struggling right now, frustrated. We want that. We welcome that. That's healthy. If you don't have that, if you keep to yourself, Let me say this clearly, if you keep to yourself and you don't allow yourself to enter into relationships, men, with other men where you can share your hearts with somebody, and you're going through hardships, which you will be or you are, you're going to be dying inside because you're not going to have any healthy release of this stuff and it's going to build up and it's going to tear you apart inside. Thus saith the Lord. We have to be in relationship where we can share our hearts with one another. And the reason why I emphasize the men, because, men we have a hard time with that, don't we? But if we really want to be strong men, strong men, not wimpy men, but strong men, then you have to have relationship with other men. You know, the world tells us backwards. If you're a real man, you can stand by yourself. That's a lie you know what I'm seeing, what I appreciate in this church, that we have some men, strong men. But I see them getting stronger because they're allowing themselves to link up into relationships with other men. And because of those relationships, they're getting stronger and stronger. Why is that? Because they're allowing, their, they're allowing the Lord to deal with their stuff. Their stuff is becoming lighter and lighter or less and less. They're getting stronger and stronger in Christ. And then they're doing the works of Jesus. That's what I see happening, and the more we do that, the stronger we're going to get, the more he's going to get glorified, and it's going to be all good. Okay, in closing, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes, bow your heads with me. Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you right now and allow you and we, we ask you to do your work. Some of you already know and already, have already known that you're all torn up inside. You don't need anybody to tell you that. You've already known that. You've been frustrated and struggling with that. What are you going to do with that? This guy realized he was bitter. He realized his condition and he repented of it. I want you to take that same opportunity. Whatever that expectation is that you have, that you're holding on to, you know what it is? I would encourage you to put that on the altar. If you do not put that on the altar, it will become an idol that you will be worshipping instead of, instead of the true God. Because you will allow that thing to di- dictate your emotional state, your decisions, your, your state of being, your actions. That will dictate instead of the Holy Spirit dictating. So I just want you to talk to the Lord right now and, and tell Him what it is you're, you're laying down. What you're doing is you're putting it into His hands. You know, I've had to say things like, you know, being, you, know you find yourself in, in financial frustration and your soul is just squeezed because it's like, oh, I wish this situation would change. And I say, Lord if this situation never changes, if I have to go through this for another 50 years, I'm still going to praise you and I'm not going to allow this to cool my affection for Jesus. I will not allow this to cool my affection. I will passionately pursue you. I will passionately praise you. I will love you with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. What I want to encourage you to do is, in a practical sense, just like this person did, get into God's presence daily, daily, get into his presence. And especially the harder it gets, God, I don't understand, therefore, I'm coming into your presence. And don't feel like you have to do anything, have to pray, just put on a worship CD or something and just let his presence just pour over you. Right now, I just want to encourage you with your lips, your heart, repent to the Lord. Confess the sin of bitterness towards God. Bitterness towards God. Frustration towards God. Fretting. The Bible says, do not fret because it leads to evil doing. That fretting, that frustration, that resentment, that whatever, you need to admit that it is towards God. Repent of it. The last thing I'm going to encourage you with is you need to. And I say this out of a heart of encouragement allow yourselves to get in relationships men with men, women with women that you can share your hearts with so that you can be encouraged with one another, by one another Father we repent turn back to you I will no longer let this financial or relational situation cause me to cool down, to back down, to back up, but I'm coming after you, Lord. And you said that if I drew near to you, you would draw near to me. I'm coming after you hard. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. And even though we don't feel like it at times, thank you that you are here You've been with us the whole time. Matter of fact, you've been holding our right hand. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would release your grace right now on your people. Grace, your grace to enable, to empower your people to respond to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for the freedom that you purchased for us to walk and run in freedom and liberality and and to be able to share that with those who are in bondage. We love you, Jesus. Would you stand with me? You know, we as a church here have been on a pursuit of relationship with God and with each other. I want to encourage you to be even more intentional than you have the last couple of years. It's time to turn our intentionality up a notch and go after him and go after each other. And you know the excitement that we've experienced the last few months, and it seems to have been a lull recently. I don't know if you've experienced that, but it just seems like kind of a that's about to change and because we as a body are allowing him to have his way to carry us through these things we're going to experience him like we never have before we're just going to be freaking out (laughs) because it's all we can do it's like oh my goodness you're real just remember he loves you He's all about you. He's all for you. I like what one guy said. If God has a refrigerator, your picture is on it. Remember that next time you're feeling pretty discouraged, just look at God's refrigerator and see your picture on it. Amen? Father, we do thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that enables us to run the race effectively. Thank you for your love, oh God, your goodness. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you for provision. Thank you for healing. Lord, just because we're going through hard times doesn't mean your word isn't true. It is true. You heal your people. You provide for your people. You deliver your people. That is our bread, our covenant that you made with us. And we just continue to stand on your word and your promises to the best of our ability. And we trust you with the results. In the name of Jesus, amen.